family, how are we doing today? All right, all right, all right. Hey, welcome. I'm going to greet um, our campuses right now. Good morning to uh, those of you that are in the message right now. You may wonder, what is that? That's actually a service we have in the venue right now. There's no music there. It's for, like, you can spread out. There's tables. You can do, do your thing. So good morning to you guys. Uh, good morning in Novato and Marin County. God bless you guys. We're glad you're with us. Good morning at Tulare Street. What's up to my Tulare Street people? What's up? Good morning in Old Town, OTC. That's right. Welcome back. Last week they had a... Zach Follett of the Detroit Lions or Cup of Joy, whichever you want to f- attach that fame to. Uh, we're glad you guys are back with us and uh, our online community. Thank you guys for being with us too. We love you guys. Hey, if you're online, drop me, a, drop me an email. Let me know you're watching. I'd love to know where you're watching from and, um, and what you think about it because it's an, it's an amazing ministry. I mean, we had... Uh, at Easter, there were over 900 devices watching one of our services, which you know that could be five people in a room or one people on a phone. We, we, so we don't know how many are out there, but we know there's a lot of people out there, and we hear from people all over. And um, speaking of, when we, so we used to do, like we did like Facebook Live, like whenever they started Facebook Live years ago. And it was janky, and you know, we started it with a phone, like there's a guy in the middle with a phone just doing that, you know. Uh, and when COVID hit, we had an okay online service for Facebook Live, but we had to scramble, and um, this team of people pulled together really a miracle in a week. We went from, like, you know, a janky phone to, like, broadcast quality, and one of them is um, just a, a regular guy in our, in our church. He's just being the church. He's a you know, like a project manager for a construction company. He's one of the best youth leaders I've ever seen. And um, he really started recruiting high schoolers and training them and how to do camera and training them how to video direct and do all that. Yeah, that's Ruben right there. Ruben Alvarado. Sadly, we're recognizing him right now. He's in that room because this is his last Sunday. He's moving to LA, so he's dead to us now. Kidding, we love that guy. We love that guy. We're gonna miss him, but um, he has tra- transformed it into a dynamic, fun team. And I get pastors from all over the country that'll ask, like, Man, how many people do you have on staff to do your online service? I said, One, and this dude that's amazing <laughs> named Ruben. So, uh, we are very grateful for him. And uh, we're super sad he's moving back to L.A. Um, it's a high honor when Pastor Sean gets you a cake. I, I brought him a cake that says you're dead to us on it today. <laughs> that means you really contributed a lot to this church. So anyways, um, I, <laughs> I got back from the Philippines. And uh, man, God has just been on the move while we were there. One of, one of my favorite things being in the Philippines, we saw over 80 people get baptized. We saw hundreds of people come to Christ. And while I was there, though, um, the last day we were there, the pastor of the church that we had started in um, Mamatid, he said, hey, we're going to have a ri- revival tonight, and you're going to preach. And I was like, oh, thanks for the notice. Um, so uh, I, I preached at it. But in the crowd, someone had pointed out to me, that there were six different churches represented in the crowd. And they were all churches that um, MMIC, the church that uh, we planted, they had planted. 
So I want you to think about that, right? This is a group of people, like when we started like working with them, about 10 years ago, I, we said to them, listen, here's what we do. We lead people to Jesus. We baptize them. And then um, we teach them to obey. And then we send them out and we start new churches. And they said, okay. And they literally do that. That's all they do. They're better at it than us in many ways. It's so cool to see it and see God working. So I encourage you, if you have never been on a missions trip, that you will level up spiritually if you go on one. I promise you. Um, it's scary. It's, uh, it's faith testing, raising the money to go, all of that. But I'll tell you what, um, God will level you up spiritually on that act of faith. It's, it's pretty powerful. So we're in this series called I Can't Even. And we've been, uh, for the last, last week and, and this week, one of the things that I've noticed over the, you know, the, the last 20 years is that our culture, we get more and more stressed out and we get a lot of anxiety, sometimes over big things, but we also find ourselves like really freaking out over smaller things. I was talking with some uh, students the other day and we were talking about, they're like, yeah, like, you know, like, sometimes like little things feel huge, you know. You ever, you ever notice that where you're, you know, gosh, the line of Dutch Brothers is too long. <laughs> What's this world coming to? Why am I even here? Like you have this existential like crisis because of something small in your life. You know, and, and then one of the students is like, yeah, I think people our age probably have it way harder in other countries, huh? And I'm like, yes, they do. <laughs> and it's not a youth thing. It's a, it's a, a, a human thing right now. We are, you know, Jesus in, in um, Luke's gospel, it said he looked upon a crowd of people and he had compassion on them because they were harassed and hopeless like sheep without a shepherd. I think that describes the, our culture and us so precisely right now. We're anxious, we're scared, we're angry. A stupid video on your social media sets you off. Like, what's coming to this world? <laughs> I just want you to know, there is a shepherd. There is a good shepherd. So that's why we're doing this, um, this series. It's a short series, but we're going to lean, lean into it again today. And I, um, I was talking... You know, how many saw the, the newest Top Gun, Maverick, in the room? How many? Okay, how about out there in TV land? You can raise your hand, too. So, you know, we heard it was coming out years ago, right? And we decided, Kelly and I, we started talking about Top Gun. And you, you know movies that, like, they're iconic to you, and, and, and then, you, you know, they're in. Do we have children from the 80s in the room right now? There they are. Okay. Yeah. Like they're iconic, and you're like, that was such an amazing movie, and you have such a moment watching it in the theater or watching it 75 times on a VHS tape. Um, and then, so we're telling our kids about Top Gun and how awesome it is, and it's amazing. You guys are going to love it. And they're like, whatever, you know. And so we, we, had, we, had, we call it forced family fun. Um, we said, you're all sitting down, and we're all watching this movie together. So we sat down and watched the first Top Gun yeah, not so good. I'm just letting you know. As much as you love Top Gun, doesn't translate to 2023. My, both my boys looked at me at the volleyball scene. They said, are you for real? This is good cinema. Um, it, was, 
Uh, do we have the Top Gun picture? You, you should probably be, pre- if I talk about Top Gun, you put the picture up. There you go. Okay, so pay attention in the room back there. I know we're sad Ruben's leaving, but anyway, so. But there's a lot of movies from whatever generation you come from that were special to you, but they don't translate. They, they don't make it into the, the new world, right? Um, the, some of you may remember, if you're from the 80s, there was a movie called Rad, right? Rad. It was like a BMX movie, and this kid's like the underdog. It's like Karate Kid for BMX people. And he goes to prom with this girl, and they dance on their bikes in the prom. It's amazing. And all the kids are laughing, but they're going to show their kids uh, Fast and Furious 5. They're like, it was amazing. The cars were dancing in space, okay? Your movies won't translate either. I'm just letting you know. Right? And then there's a movie not a lot of people heard about, but it was special to me. I watched it a million times. I love this movie, Iron Eagle. Dude, I watched that movie so many times. I loved it. And then I put it on one night just feeling nostalgic, right? And it's like, okay, a 16-year-old can fly an F-18. And whenever he listens to Van Halen, he becomes the most deadly fighter pilot in the world, taking out Russian MiGs. It's not even good Van Halen. It's Van Hagar. Like a, and maybe the movie doesn't, but there's a moment in it that just becomes a saying in culture, right? So most people, if someone has a little knife and they pull out, someone pulls out a bigger knife, what comes out of your mouth is, that's not a knife, right? And for all you youngsters, I'll let you know, there was a movie about a superhero from Australia named Crocodile Dundee. <laughs> and he moved to New York City and he was this, you know, kind of, in the outback, you know, like put another shrimp on the barbie, kind of like super bad stereotype of Australia. And then, you know, he gets held up on the streets in New York City with this guy with a switchblade, this little knife, you know, and he pulls out like a machete and goes, that's not a knife. And now it's like a cultural thing, right? It's crazy how that works. Or if you, you ever watched Indiana Jones, any of the Indiana Jones movies, you know, there's, there's this moment in that movie where, you know, the whole movie is, you know, the, the Raiders of the Lost Ark, Indiana Jones is this like, you know, he's an archaeologist, but he's like a superhero archaeologist, which I know archaeologists, they're, they're academics, they're not, sorry, Ellie Shukran, you are. But anyway, so anyways, you know, he's got like this whip and it's his weapon and he can do anything with the whip and, you know, he could, you know, he could make you pancakes with the whip, like he'd do anything with it. And then... He like, you know, there's this scene where he's, you know, kind of running. He's on the run. People are chasing him and he's in this crowd. And all of a sudden this guy, everyone's wearing white in the scene too. Um, because I believe he's, they're in India or, some, or an Arab country. I'm not, you couldn't really tell. But I, I do remember this. Out of nowhere is this huge buff dude. And he's in all black and he's like an Arab ninja. And he's got that that Arab sword that's just huge. And he's like, swinging it. And like the ominous music comes on. And you're like, oh no, what's going to happen to Indy, right? Kids are riveted over here, I can tell. They're like, man, this guy is old. But listen. Guy's swinging his thing and you think like, "Uh uh-oh, he's in trouble. You can't 
a whip can't beat a sword like that. And then we forget that the whole movie, he also carries a gun. So he just pulls out and boom, shoots the guy dead. <laughs> right? You never bring a knife to a gunfight. Right? So you have these, 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 these moments and it's all about who has the better weapon, right? It's all about who has the better weapon. Well, today we're going to read from 1 Peter chapter 4. And I'm going to talk about arming ourselves with something like Jesus. And um, I want to give you a little background to the book of Peter before we read this passage to give it some context. Right? So Peter writes this this epistle. And um, it's like many of the ones Paul wrote. Peter, Paul, Mary. They all wrote a book. Not Mary. I'm kidding. (laughs) Peter, Paul, James. Okay. And the book of 1 Peter in the first part of any epistle, is always very highly theological. It's, this is the gospel. This is what God has done. This is the, the richness and the depth and the power and the glory of what God did when God put on flesh and he moved into th- this world and he lived a perfect life in our place and his death on the, the cross served as a sacrifice and atonement for our sins and the propitiation of God's righteousness was put on 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 all in any any who would believe and it's this great like deep and then Peter goes on he talks about how if you're a believer if you're in Christ Jesus you're now holy you're not just made holy by what Jesus did on the on the cross but um, the word holy has this meaning to it in, in the book of First Peter that really brings a richness and depth to the word. Because if I say, oh, that's holy, usually if you say someone's holy, you're like, oh, they don't drink, smoke, chew, run with people that do. They're goody two-shoes. But that's not what holy is. Holy is when you've been chosen by God and set apart for something for God. Right? If you were in the temple and the priest said, we need a bowl for the incense. One of the other priests would go in, he'd grab a bowl, it would be chosen, and it would be taken from all the other bowls and used for the purposes of God. And what Peter was saying is, when you, were in, when you became in Christ Jesus, you were made holy, you were chosen, you were set apart, you were set apart for God. And then it gets to chapter 4. And there's a word that is very important. Paul uses it a lot. You see it in the Bible a lot. It's therefore. The word therefore. Everyone say therefore. Therefore. Whenever you see, thank you for the 12 people over here that said it. I bet they all said it at Old Town. (laughs) Whenever you see the word therefore, you should ask, what's it there for? That's an important word in the Bible. Because whoever's right, you know, as the Holy Spirit is, 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 inspiring Peter to write this, he's turning the corner now from something that's very deep and a theological truth, a philosophical truth to something practical. So now that you know this, therefore, let's do this, right? And and he's turning the corner there. And that's where we're going to start off today in 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 1 through 5. And I'd love it if you could stand in honor of God's word. Therefore, let me read that again. Therefore, since Christ suffered in his body, arm yourselves also with the same attitude. 
Because whoever suffers in the body is done with sin. As a result, they do not live the rest of their earthly lives for evil human desires, but rather for the will of God. For you've spent enough time in the past doing what pagans do, living in debauchery, lust, drunkenness, orgies, carousing, and detestable idolatry. And they are surprised that you do not join in, you not join them in their recklessness, their reckless, wild living, and then they heap abuse on you. But they will have to give an account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. This is God's word. You may be seated. So there's a big idea to, the, to this message I, I want, you, want you to understand before we dive into the outline. Is this, is that you can approach suffering like the world does. And you will find that it will only lead to more suffering in your life. Or you can suffer like Christ and find healing in it. Either way, I'm here to, I'm, I'm here to let you know um, you, there will be suffering and pain in your life. You will suffer. That's my encouraging word for you. This is true. It, that, that is, that is a, 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 a sad fact of the world we live in, that everyone suffers. Everyone's suffering is relative, right? Um, you know, to, to the, the person experiencing anxiety because they couldn't get Dutch Brothers because the line was 30 minutes long. That's still anxiety for them. That's still, they still have that, and it, whatever degree it affects them, to the, you know, the, the kid I saw in the Philippines who was stoked that he got to eat that day. Right? Like, we all suffer. And the degrees are different. But what I found is in the modern world, for whatever reason now, and there's probably, there's a ton of reasons and we can't get into it. Even the least bit of suffering sends us over the edge sometimes. And then some people go through in, in incredible suffering, incredible suffering. And for some reason, they emerge stronger and better. So some people, it takes them down and some people, they, they rise and here's what I would tell you. Um, number one in your outline, let's talk about that. Therefore, since Christ suffered in his body. We're really going to hover around one verse today. And that first phrase, therefore, since Christ suffered in his body. Look at the whole verse in context, okay? It says, therefore, since Christ suffered in his body, arm yourselves with the same attitude because whoever suffers from the body is done with sin. So let's talk about suffering for a second. There are two kinds of pain in this life that happens. You have pain... Um, with no purpose. Pain that has no purpose to it usually leads you to more pain in your life because we're always trying to numb it. We're trying to get away from it. We're trying to run from it. We're trying to push it down, walk away from it, whatever it is. But, but many there's some things that happen in life that it will just follow you. And if you try and numb it, usually, you know, with, with drugs or alcohol or food or shopping or whatever you're trying to numb that pain with, you will eventually, it will eventually lead you to more pain, doesn't it? Right? We saw that in COVID. There was a lot of pain going on. And, um, we, you know, people coped in different ways to try and get rid of it. And it led to more pain in our lives. 
See, like when you have a bad habit, you're not trying to hurt other people, but many times anyone who's around you is just collateral damage. Think about someone you know who's an addict. They're not out to ruin your life. No, but what happens is there can be a collateral damage around that person because usually what's happening is there's some pain they're trying to get to. They're trying to get away from, really. And then there's a second kind of pain or suffering. There's a good suffering, a good pain. The kind that says here in Peter, it keeps you from sin and it delivers you to joy. See, it's interesting. In recent years, the, the, the psychological community has realized that a lot of our pain in our life, um, a lot of our trauma triggers a lot of other bad habits and things in our life. And see, God's word had been saying this for 2,000 years. And how will you lean into the trauma and the pain, the pain, pain in your life? Um, that is up to you. And that, 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 that is, can be difficult. And that's why sometimes a good counselor, a biblical coach, we have biblical coaching here at the church, um, getting in a group. We have Celebrate Recovery on Tuesday night at Old Town. It's not just for people that are addicts. I've been through the 12 steps to Celebrate Recovery twice. Changed my life. It's a blueprint for change. But there's all of these things that really are helping you address the pain rather than run or, 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 or numb it. And see, this is why the writer of Hebrews said this. We don't know who wrote Hebrews. We know Peter wrote Peter, right? A guy named Hebrew didn't write Hebrews. We don't know who wrote Hebrews, but she was smart. I'm sure of it. And it says in Hebrews 12 too, it says, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of, of God. It wasn't that Jesus saw hanging on the cross was this wonderful like weekend at, at, you know, in, in Mexico on a beach with an umbrella in your drink. It wasn't that at all. It's that he knew on the other side of his suffering there was going to be not just life, but life, eternal life for so many. And his suffering had purpose to it. And you, you may say, well, li- well listen, Sean, um, I'm going through something right now that there is no reason for it. I didn't do it. It happened. And I'm going through it. What do I do with that? Well, that leads me to number two in the outline. And it's the second part of that verse. It says... Arm yourself with the same attitude, right? I'm gonna read the verse again. Therefore, since Christ suffered in his body, arm yourselves with the same attitude because whoever suffers in the body is done with sin. So the picture here that Peter's trying to draw is a, is, is a soldier who puts on his equipment and he arms himself for battle. Here's what I need you to know. It says, have the same attitude as Christ. And that, that word in the Greek, it also could have been translated, have the same thought, have the same thinking, right? Because our attitude is synonymous with our thoughts. How many of you, you've had people in your house that had a bad attitude before? 
right? We have a phrase in our house when someone's got a bad attitude is we usually go, hey, why don't you call your therapist about that? And I usually say it with a junior high uh, voice like that, therapist. But the, the truth of the matter is, you know, it, and I, we can be freaking out about something. And sometimes we can be freaking out about something really big, right? But, but I'm ridiculously in charge of whether I'm going to give that big thing meaning and purpose in God, or I'm just going to let it spin me out. And I, you know, I remember, you know, there's plenty of stupid little things I freak out about. I remember my daughter, she was 14, and I was freaking out about a football game. I was in such a bad mood because the Chargers broke my heart for the six trillionth time. And I, we were at dinner, and I was just being a jerk, and she just goes, oh, hey, Dad, why don't you call your therapist about the football game? You're grounded. <laughs> See, weak or wrong attitudes, they lead us to defeat every time. The enemy gets right a hold of the, I mean, he grabs onto those. That's why it says, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God, to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down every imagination of every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of Christ, and putting into obedience every thought that you take captive. See, our outlook determines our outcome, especially as a believer. And um, think about how suffering works, right? You could be walking out to your car and a man with a mask on and a knife jumps out, hit, knocks you out, you fall to the ground, you're knocked out, you're laying there knocked out. He cuts you with the knife, takes your money and, and runs and leaves you laying there in pain, maybe in more pain, maybe die, right? That's, that's bad suffering, right? Or you could go willingly to a doctor and he's got a mask and he's got a knife and he's gonna knock you out He's going to cut you open and take a tumor out, take something cancerous out, take something out that would damage you, sew you back up, take all your money, <laughs> right? Then take all your money. Which one's better? See, one is senseless, but one, you, you leaned in for your healing. You could have been like, no, I like the tumor. Time will heal it. No, it won't, right? You could have a, a massive break in your forearm. Uh, my sons are both skaters, and they always show me videos of guys like crashing and breaking limbs, and I get the heebie-jeebies from that stuff. Like, I, there's not much that grosses me out, but seeing like a guy with like a U in his arm, I'm like, ah! And they know, like they'll catch me like not paying attention. They'll be like, dad, dad, look at this. Ah! You know, it just gets me every time. And imagine they're like, no, it's cool. Time will heal it. <laughs> but I'm telling you, that's what happens in life. We go through something traumatic and we, we go, well, I'll just, I'll just take some painkiller so, so that I, I don't have to deal with my arm, that my forearm that's a you right now. 
right? I'll just drink this. I'll just take this. I'll just swipe this. I'll just buy this. I'll just go on this trip. I'll just do that. And there's this pain in our life that we will never lean into and our arm will be broken. We won't be able to use our hand. It affects our whole body at some point and we just pretend it's all cool and everyone around us knows we've got something. But we're living in a river and it's called denial. See, one of the things that in this season of my life I've been watching is people that go through really tough trials that they didn't ask for. It wasn't their fault. It wasn't any of that. I think about some of our pastors, like Pastor Mitch and the Ribera family, or I think of the Davidsons, you know, some families in our church that have lost children recently. And while the grief is very easy, very easily can take you down, one of the things I, I, I've watched is the choice they make to say, this is awful. It's coming in waves. But God, I am going to glorify you in this. I don't know how, but I am going to glorify you in this. And that choice, right? That, that choice, therefore, since Christ suffered in his own body, arm yourselves with the same attitude. Think about that, arm yourselves. You guys may not, like, if you arm yourself, right, like Indiana Jones, devil pulls out his big sword, it is very scary. You got something stronger. You have, the, you have, you have Christ. You have the attitude of Christ. I mean, I don't know if you realize this. We have an amazing um, security team here at the North Campus. We have, you know, um, Every campus has its own version of security. Tulare Street has their own kind of security. <laughs> right, guys? But one of the things I, I love, you know, I don't know if this person's on the security team or anymore, but they, they were for years. And, um, it, you know, th this, this lady is a kindergarten teacher, and she's on her security team because she's strapped every week. And you would never see her coming. She would take you out in a heartbeat. And, you, you know, and you, 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 if you were an active shooter, you came shooting in here, you'd end up at the gates of hell and Satan would be laughing at you like a kindergarten teacher just killed you, idiot. <laughs> but we have to arm ourselves. We have to be ready because in life there will be trials. There will be pain. There will be suffering. And if you are not ready for it, you are not armed for it with the mind of Christ that you're able to lean in your suffering, it can take you down. I think of a, um, a, a, a great a great story about a, a friend of mine. She uh, suffered with uh, anorexia and bulimia. Um, she got down into the, probably the, the low 80s in her weight. She was a 125-pound um, young woman, and her health was threatened. Her life was threatened, and um, her, you know, her parents, family members were trying to get help, get help. No, I'm fine. I'm good. I'm good. I just, you know, wouldn't admit there was a problem. And then um, this person got in a growth group, and... Um, eventually started trusting these people in the group. And um, one way or another, it came out like, yeah, I'm really hurting right now. I'm really struggling. And I don't know why. 
And this group of people, very, very interesting, because right away it was a group of, of young women. One, one or two of them was like, oh, I remember this. I, I went through this. And then another one in the group's like, I'm going through this. And this group of young women, like a pack of elephants, because female elephants all look out for each other, by the way, they, they began to hold each other accountable. And it, when they had lunch together, they'd go to the bathroom with each other to make sure they weren't thrown up. They, they, they were calling each other, checking in on each other. They were, and then this girl ends up, because like she's starting to, to heal from this community, she goes, I got to figure out why that happened in my life. And then she began to look into it and she started looking at the pain in her life and she went to a counselor and she went through counseling and, and counseling is good, but I need you to understand something. Most people just go to counseling and never talk. They just pretend the pain's not there outside of the counselor's office. You probably won't find much healing. I'm just letting you know. See, you need other people. You need a community of people that you can expose your pain to. You can expose your shame to, and they will walk you through it. When Lazarus came out of the tomb, Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. When he came out of the tomb, there was a funeral going on. There were people weeping, crying. He comes out, they freak out because, you know, it's like people don't rise from the dead. But when he comes out, he's wearing his grave clothes. Grave clothes in the first century, what, it's not like today where they put you in a nice dress or a suit and then and you eat potato salad when it's all done. Um, grave clothes, it was just a loincloth. Just a linen loincloth and may, maybe your hands were bound, your feet were bound and Lazarus comes out, everyone's freaking out. Do you know what had to happen? When Jesus said, take off his grave clothes and let him go, he had no other clothes. He comes out in his shame, in his nakedness and until you're willing to get naked, to, to reveal some of, the, some of the pain to other people. Here's what had to happen. Lazarus' friends and family, the men in that group, had to gather around Lazarus, cover his shame, give them some of their own clothes, expose their shame to cover his. I can tell you I went through a 12-step um, group with seven other pastors because we're supposed to walk on water. So like we pretend we're great and then we had to get together because we're, our lives were a hot mess. And these men, as they expose their shame and their pain, it gave me the courage to. So, that leads me to number three. Whoever suffers in the body is done with sin. Right? Look at the verse one last time. Therefore, since Christ suffered in his body, Arm yourselves also with the same attitude because whoever suffers in the body is done with sin. See, and then I love the next part of that passage. As we, you begin to, to get vulnerable and you begin to, to come out of denial and admit there's a problem. And I, 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 I want to, I, Lord, I want to have purpose in this problem. I, wa I want something great to, to happen in this problem. Um, Here's what happens. It says, verses two through five, it says, as a result, they do not live the rest of their early lives, earthly lives for evil human desires, but rather for the will of God. 
When you begin to lean into that pain, when you have the mind of Christ and you lean into your pain and you lean into your suffering and you lean into your sin and you say, God, I want there to be purpose. I want you to pull me through this. I want to glorify you in the midst of it. It says you stop thinking about the worldly way of dealing with it. You stop moving toward that way. And here's the two kinds of pain. One that leads to purpose and one that leads to more pain. As a result, they do not live the rest of their earthly lives for evil human desires, but rather for the will of God. For you spent enough time in the past doing what pagans choose to do, right? You're, eventually you get sick and tired of being tired. You get sick of the pain. We usually don't change until it hurts enough, right? You can put your hand pretty close to the stove, but once it starts burning, you do that. Verse three, it says, you've spent enough time in the past doing what pagans choose to do, living in debauchery, lust, drunkenness, orgies. All the men in the room just woke up. Carousing, <laughs> detestable idolatry. And you be, your life begins to change. And here's what happens. When your life changes, your friends that are lost, some of them are drawn to that and they want that, but there's a whole nother group of people that'll be around you that don't get it. They don't get it. And it says here, they're surprised you don't join them in their reckless wild living and they heap abuse on you. But they will have to give an account to him, that's Jesus, to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. Guys, God loves you so much. Some of you, you're believers, you're in Christ Jesus, you've received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, but for whatever reason, your cheese has slid off your cracker. I, I get it, I've been there. And at some point, your faith grew cold or lukewarm or whatever it is. And I want you to understand something. God is not mad at you. He's just waiting for you to make the choice to, to draw near to him again and stop running. For some of you, though, you're here today, you're going through some immense, immense suffering and you need some help. Christ is here. Maybe you've got to take that step and, and it's a long road, but you've got to enter into community again. Maybe you've lost that, that group of people that have you. Christian brothers and sisters that have you. Maybe you gotta get into growth group. Maybe you gotta get into biblical coaching. Maybe you join us Tuesday night in Old Town. Go to CR. If you don't like it, I'll gladly repay your ministry, every, or misery, every bit of it. But maybe it's that. And then some of you, here's what I need you to understand. When it says here that we'll all have to give an account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. The Bible says this. The Bible says that every person on this planet has sinned. How many of you came from a dysfunctional family? Show of hands. Oh, yeah. Way more than the last service. How many of you came from like a high-functioning family? Way less than last service. Again. But yeah, and here, here's what I would tell you. Yeah, uh, there's a spectrum of function in all our families, right? But I will tell you this, all of our families 
are dysfunctional. You wanna know how I know that? It's not because I have a camera in your house, it's because I know your family. You come from the same family I come from. It's called Adam's family. We all belong to the Adam's family. And what the Bible says is that because of the sin that happened in Adam, it's transferred to all of us. And the Bible says that for the wages of our sin is death. That's eternal separation from God. And one day we have to give an account for that. But it says, but the gift of God is eternal life for those who are in Christ Jesus. Well, how do I be in Christ Jesus, Sean? I'm not sure where I stand with God. If I were to die today, I don't know. Well, I can tell you, you can know for sure. See, the Bible tells us very clearly in John chapter 1, verse 12, it says, but as many as received him, to those who believe in his name, he's given them the right to become children of God, that you have to receive him. You have to take possession of Jesus. He offers himself to you, but you have to take possession of him. You have to say, I want you, Jesus. That's why he gives an analogy in Revelation chapter 3, verse 20. He says, behold, I stand at the door and I knock. If anyone listens, I will come in. That the God of the universe loves you so much. He's come, he knocks at the door of your heart, and he waits for you for that courageous moment in your life where you open the door and you invite him in, where you say, I've been going my way. It's not working. I want yours, Jesus. And here's the beauty of the gospel. You don't even have to know how to do Jesus's way. You won't do it perfect anyways. All you have to do is trust that his way is better and grab hold of him and allow him over the period of your life to lead you in his way. And it's a way filled with love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, self-control. These are all fruit that develop. They won't happen overnight. They won't happen if you pray to receive Jesus today. You won't be like, oh, I have self-control now. That's awesome. It doesn't work that way. Fruit is cultivated, not squeezed out. But you have to make that decision. You have to open the door. And some of you, you, you sense Christ right now knocking. And in your head, you're like, well, I, but I got things I want to do in my life. And I got some things I'm holding on to. You can hold on to those as long as you want. But here's what I will tell you. There may only be a few moments in your life where Christ, you hear the knock of Christ. And indecision is a decision. It's saying no. Guys, if you ask a woman out on a date and she ghosts you, she doesn't answer, that's no. And why would you ever turn down a love so amazing, so transcendent, that I promise you will change your life? So we're going to pray right now. This is bow our heads, close our eyes, wherever you're at.